0: Hey, welcome to Sell Less, Mean More. I'm your host, Delante Gabri. This week, we're in conversation with Mike Love, the director of Love & Co. First things first, yes, Mike is an estate agent. I'm aware that estate agents, like politicians, and probably the much-maligned car salesmen, they're not the most popular people on the block. But stick with this podcast. Myself, having worked in the real estate industry for nearly... 16 or 17 years, I can attest to the fact that the real estate industry is made up of a diverse group of professionals. Some are excellent communicators who are truly there to serve, and some, well, they're not so great, just like professionals in every category. In this interview with Mike, we discuss the importance of presence, being in flow and connecting with purpose. We also talk about the inherent challenges of working with family as Mike's a third-generation estate agent. You're really going to enjoy this interview. Yeah,
1: sad. Welcome to Sell Less, Mean More. I'm your host, Dilanthe Gabri, and today I'm really excited to be joined by Michael Love, who is the director of uh, Heritage Real Estate Brand. Love & Co. Michael is a big character who I have had the pleasure of working with for several years now um, and he has some really unique insights about um, business um, and working with people that actually go far beyond the practice of being in real estate. So, Michael, when people ask you what you do, how do you normally respond?
2: Um Good morning. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, very excited. Um, how do I normally respond? I think I normally respond with, um, I help people move. Yeah. That's really where I where I respond to um, because it sort of encompasses all aspects of what we do.
1: Mm. So you come from a family who have been in the real estate practice, the practice of helping people move for multiple generations. Absolutely. Um, when you were a little Mike did you think that you would follow in uh, family footsteps? What did you kind of want to do? And how did you end up in the family business?
2: Uh, I think I did to some degree. I wanted to be an electrician actually Mm -hmm. and my dad told me I had to stay at school. Yeah. (laughs) So I uh, finished off my education and then uh, I realised that if I was going to go into real estate, I wasn't going to be sort of able to come in and out of it. So I went and did it. large array of things prior to entering, um, and then came into the real estate space and yeah, kind of fell in love with it.
1: Mm. Um, So being in a family business probably has its own unique dynamics. Um, How is it, how does it give you more flexibility and how is it perhaps more complex being in a family business?
2: Oh, (laughs) that is a, uh, that's a a million dollar question right there. Uh, I don't really have a lot to compare it to. So it is a little bit difficult for me to compare because I have worked in other organisations, but I haven't worked in real estate in any other organisation as such other than a stint I did in London. Um, So it is a little bit difficult as far as finding a comparison in both of those facets. Though um, I think having family members there enables um, a two-edged sword on the grounds that it's wonderful to be able to draw wisdom and um, encouragement and certainly um, support from family members. Mm. And it also can make an awkward Christmas if things don't (laughs) go super well, Uh, though... The training that I did receive um, through the family has sort of led that you leave business of business and, and when you're at home, uh, you try and talk about other assets. There is certainly some grey area that does overlap, number of of car rides that uh, soon become work-related conversations. But I suppose I've just been fortunate enough to have a great mentor and, and really... Um, Best friend is, is my dad, who's who has been able to support me and um, really just assisted in in my development and growth and and that's I sort of work with him um, and yeah it's been it's been good so as far as the complexities of it it's normal family complexities and the strengths of it sort certainly are, are one and the same.
1: Mm. Um, I've worked with many businesses that have multiple generations of family members in them and um, they can be quite fraught and the transition from one generation to the next doesn't always seem to be as functional as that which I've observed at Love & Co. Why do you think that succession, whether it's from family member to family member or um, from um, business owner to somebody they're either selling the business to or somebody they're going to let inherit the business. Why does that so often fail, and does it need to?
2: That's a another wonderful question. Um, I I probably not experience enough to provide a great in depth knowledge on on either of those questions. Though my experience has kind of been that without a plan, nothing happens and no plan goes to plan. So it is intergenerational um, transitioning is very much done to the best of everyone's ability. Though I think the business has to continually evolve to service the marketplace in which it's in and, Real estate in itself, even in the in the eighteen years that I've been in real estate, has evolved drastically, and we're going through another huge evolution inside of the industry at the moment. And I think that um, if you're able to evolve with the industry, uh, that does help, certainly um, with intergenerational. Um, businesses it can sometimes get stuck and they're not as flexible and dynamic and sometimes people haven't had enough experience um, with the colleagues that they work with and any change does bring change of team members Uh, however I think it's really the leadership of my father who has who's very much um, always said give it a go and so, when we're looking at the changing environment, we're coming up with different ideas. Uh, we don't, we we're not sort of attached to it has to be any way, as opposed to being um, forefront with different um, perceptions on any change or systemic relationship within the organisation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all there's almost a dreamer, a realist, and a critic. In, in the way that we will review things, and I think that with the intergenerational, that isn't always possible because of the changing external factors.
1: Mm. Um, so the name of this podcast is "Sell Less and Mean More," and I guess my focus as a person who helps people communicate to and to express their true selves with a, as their business. Identity, or as their, as their person is to move away from selling and to move towards being of service. Mm-hmm. So often, you know, people really hate on real estate agents. They're viewed as untrustworthy and, um, and they're often viewed as having far more influence over the market and outcome than they actually do have. Do you consider your job selling?
2: Do I consider my job selling? Yeah. I think, I think we're certainly selling. I think we're all selling, um, as far as the relationship in anything.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. So yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: do you think it's possible to quote unquote sell a house to someone?
2: Uh, well, that comes down to the to the definition and, and the <laughs> metaphor in which somebody is using the term selling. Though yes, I do. I I, I do think that a good agent. Um, can certainly sell a house where other agents are not able to
1: do that. Mm -hmm. Um, When you stepped into a senior role as a director within Love & Co, Mm -hmm. what did your intuition tell you about how you needed to now connect with your colleagues?
2: Um, I don't think my intuition told me as much as my father told me. (laughs) (laughs) which was, (laughs) you're not a great manager. You need to develop this part of you. Uh, And so that became a large amount. I I did a lot of development in and around becoming a good salesperson, though a good salesperson doesn't always mean a good manager. Mm. And that certainly, um, I suppose my skill set has probably always been strong in sales and not strong in management. Mm. And um, there was a lot of personal development that I needed to do Mm. to be able to, be a better manager, I still don't hold myself on a a higher standard than anybody else as far as management. I'm learning and and I probably learn more from my team than anybody as far as management goes and I get it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I think that as I became a a director within the business, um, that was something that was flagged early and that I needed to do a lot of development on that. That's really what I've spent my time is developing myself in a management uh, capacity um, because sales has always been quite natural to me. Mm. So I've I've still do some facets of sales, though I've I've really committed to personal and professional development in and around management.
1: What is the most important aspect of managing powerfully and respectfully?
2: Um. What is the most...
1: What's what's the quality or what, what's an attitude that one would bring to managing in a way that is respectful and powerful? powerful. An so attitude. You, an attitude. So you're not ignoring a subject because it's difficult to discuss, yeah. but at the same time, the person doesn't feel diminished by that conversation.
2: Yeah. Uh, that's always a fine line. Um, quite often I find that you can have a conversation and it can be taken in numerous different ways just through not necessarily your intention. And something I've been working with recently has been to find the outcome prior to going into the the conversation. Mm. Uh, I always try to come from a place of support and that isn't always taken from a place of support. It can be deemed in, in other manners. However, I think that you really need to have empathy And I think if you've got empathy and you can take different perspectives, not just um, manager, team member, but certainly father, child, um, colleague, colleague, and look at it from multiple perspectives, often it it stops it from being such a railroaded conversation to more what is everyone trying to do. Yeah. Uh, The attitude I generally take is everyone's coming to work to do the best possible job they can. And um, what is the blockage that's stopping them from achieving what they want to achieve? Mm. And that's where I kind of try to assist that um, to the best that I can do.
1: So as an estate agent or as a practice, you have a whole bunch of different kinds of clients. You've got landlords and vendors and tenants and buyers and they can seem to have competing interests. Um, Are these interests that are competing, are they... Only on the surface, or is it possible to, is it possible to actually s- serve everyone well, even if they're on different sides of the fence?
2: I, I think you can serve everybody. I, I really do, and I think that transparency is the number one um, creator of conflict. Is the lack of communication? Mm. Great that the the podcast is around communication, and, and certainly I think that. Um, that's something that in management, something I'm working on is is being able to communicate better. So if we're dealing with a tenant um, that is being evicted, that tenant also very well may be one of our landlords. They also might have been someone that we sold a home for. Uh, they also might have been someone we we sold a house to. Mm-hmm. So um, they may be evicted because of their current circumstances, but that doesn't mean we haven't had a long time so, as long as you're always transparent, there is a legislation, there are rules, uh, and if, you, if you're open and can communicate that well and, and advise the parties appropriately, um, you don't always get it right. And certainly, um, you can improve on your strike rate, though, as long as you can open those transparency, those lines of communication.
1: I find it's often at points where we feel like we don't understand what's happening where we can, um, when we're when we're customers or when we're clients, we can become the most frustrated and it's not because we've actually got a problem with the service, it's because we don't actually know what's happening next. Yeah.
2: We make stuff up in our head. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that uh, we make up in our head in the future mm. rather than just being present to the now uh, and that's, that often can lead to... All sorts of things, and a lot of the time when I am working with any team member or, or one of our clients, um, they're trying to preempt something that hasn't even occurred. So I will often say, "If you're going to make stuff up, make up stuff that's going to be fun and enjoyable, <laughs> yeah. rather than doomsday, which the media seems to uh, to allow us to create." Yeah. Uh, talking about the worst possible
1: outcome. <laughs> um, when do you? know that you're in flow with your customer? Is that represented through volume of transactions? Is it represented through uh, the contentment of your colleagues? Um, Is it being given extra opportunities to share your knowledge through industry um, forums? How do you know that you're actually in flow with the business?
2: Um, I think you're in flow when you're present. Hmm. I, I think if you're not being present, I think if you're... In the future, if you're trying to overcome something that hasn't occurred, uh, you can't ever be in flow. I think the only time you can really be in flow is when you're really present. And um, that's the biggest challenge, I believe, for any business owner, is to try and stay on the forefront on that curve, Mm -hmm. Um, though you need to be present when you're communicating with anybody, not... um, not trying to foresee or be in the future. You've got to come down to the now. And when you're in the now, I think you really are in a flow, and that's the challenge. That's the billion-dollar industry of meditation. That's the mindfulness. These are all these industries that are, that are coming which are trying to teach us more and more to um, just be present. Mm-hmm. And when you are present, I think there's a lot more flow than when you are... Um, in your head, mobile phones going off, emails popping up, numerous conversations, and there's a lot of white noise or chatter that goes on that we can very easily get caught in. But if I'm really being present and I'm in the conversation I'm in, then I find that um, I, there's a lot more flow.
1: Mm. Um, <clears throat> the real estate space is a fiercely competitive and tribal one, and agents are. Agencies are often trying to um, differentiate themselves uh, through new technologies or rebrands. Or um, there's a lot of mm, there's a lot of small efforts made towards uh, differentiation, which speak to I think the values of an organisation. Um, What does given that you're a multi-agency network that is in a specific geographic region by and large. What does success look like ongoing for Love & Co? Well,
2: um, I think it's it's the evolution. I think if we continue to evolve, then we'll continue to be successful.
1: Mm.
2: A, a lot of the time there's a lot of <clears throat> challenge or, or talk in and around um, how's business how is the market? How is this sort of occurring? But I think inevitably you need to adjust your business to suit the market conditions, mm-hmm. not adjust your business and then hope the market conditions are different. So for our success, for our, for our ongoing um, relationship, we are a service industry and we want to make sure we're continuing to provide service and value to our clients Uh, And as we continue to evolve and look at things that are coming up, we really need to have that forefront of what value is this adding to our clients. Um, Something that's always been quite um, a pivotal point that my father has always said to me is often in business you will build processes that serve us. However, you always need to come back and ask yourself, how does this serve the client? Because our job is to serve the client.
1: Hmm. Um, there's not a lot of diversity in the real estate category in terms of the sales sales question in terms of gender. What needs to change about the? Well, that might be a question that's more about society. A bit of a leading question. <laughs> yeah. <Yes>. What,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? What? Why are there not more women in a, in Australian? Real estate agencies who are selling agents. What's with that?
2: Oh, that's easy. They're smarter than men. <laughs> <laughs> that's an easy one, <laughs> Atlanta, okay. They're far smarter than uh, than men. That's uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. I think I think it's the the nature of the beast. Um, I think that there would be some tremendous female, and there are some tremendous female agents out there. Um, though I think that uh, it's. You, when you look at the property management side of things, it's ninety to ninety percent of female, ten percent of men. Yeah. And you look at the sales side of things, um, it's exactly the opposite: ninety percent of men, ten percent of female. And I think it's just the the nature of the job. <clears throat> and until the the job role changes, I don't think. And I think that's something that, as the as the industry evolves, I think that's something that you will start seeing more of. However, it, it is a it is a hard um, hour job. Yeah. and not that's by no means to make any presupposition that's they're not able, it's more that they have better priorities. Yeah. Um and as as I think it changes, you will see, and I think that'll be wonderful for the industry. i I would love to see more females mm. um conversing in the sales space. Mm.
1: So What's the next audacious step in connection you want to make
2: with your community? Um, well, I'm not really able to tell. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've got something quite big going on in, at the moment. Yes. Um, though I, I'm not at liberty to, mm-hmm. to suggest, but watch this space, okay. absolutely. Uh, I will say as much that I think that we really need to connect more with our community I think from a space of all corporates, um, we've got a lot to answer for as far as our community involvement. Uh, Being involved in the community as I am, I I really am pushing that and we are looking at ways that we can integrate new things. And uh, 2020, that is pretty high on my agenda. And hopefully by March, um, I'll have a little bit more fleshed out and we'll be able to release a little bit more first and foremost with you. Awesome. Um, but, yeah, at the moment, um, certainly social integration and more community involvement is is where I'd like to see not just our organisation but a lot of organisations moving.
1: Yeah. Um, well, that was really interesting to hear such deep insight about... Uh, the benefits and the complexities of intergenerational business. And I think that you have quite an unusual and unique attitude towards your management of your team, but also your role of service to the community. So, Mike, thank you so much for joining us on Sell Less, Mean More, and hopefully we'll have you back in March or April so we can learn more about what your next audacious steps are with connection to
2: your community. No problem at all. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: I hope my interview with Mike blew some stereotypes that you might have had about estate agents well out of the water. If you'd like to learn more about Mike or his business, Love & Co., I've included some notes in the podcast guide accompanying this episode. Take care. Till next time, I'm Yolanthe Gabri and this is Sell Less, Mean More.